Welcome to the Trademark Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to hear our message today. Another thing we would love is for you to join us in person, whether that's live, online, or if you're local to DFW, come visit our location in Fort Worth, Texas. For service times, location, and everything you need to know, visit trademark.church. We hope today's message encourages you and helps you live a more fulfilling life in Jesus. Well, if you weren't here last week, we started a brand new series of talks entitled The Sermon on the Mount. And what we did to kick off this series is spent a little bit of time last week just diving into uh, an overview of what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. The Sermon on the Mount can be found in Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. And so what we're going to actually be doing over the next, I don't know, 16, 17 weeks is taking a in-depth look at every section of the Sermon on the Mount. It's a very important portion of scripture. It's some of the first words that Jesus ever preached and it's really uh, a blueprint in a lot of ways for how we should live our lives as followers of Christ. There's a lot of content in there that is important um, for our lives as Christians um, because Jesus is doing something very unique Uh, not just in this particular sermon that he gives, but in his whole message to humanity. Uh, If you want to summarize the whole Sermon on the Mount in a statement, it would be this, a call to be different. A call to be different. And if you didn't catch last week, I would encourage you to go back to our YouTube page and watch back last week's message to get kind of an overview of this because what we can never forget is that when Jesus came onto the scene when he began to launch into his ministry, his first message was a message of repentance. It wasn't a message of love. It wasn't a message of grace, uh, even though love and grace are actually found in what we receive in repentance. It was a message to repent of our sins and turn to God, to literally have a change in the way that we think about life and the way that we operate and the direction that we're going to to literally do an about face in our thinking and with our life and move in the direction that glorifies God. And then throughout the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gets very specific about certain areas of our life. And he begins to say things like, you've heard it say, The culture says, the world says, in other words, it's this way, but I say, have a change of thought. Have a change in direction of your life and move this way. And so we're gonna be dissecting that over the last, uh, over the next several weeks and there's some resources that you can uh, pick up. We've got an incredible journal if you wanna pick that up uh, to follow along over these next uh, several weeks. It's at our info bar out there. But, you know, one of the things that Jesus does at the very beginning of this Sermon on the Mount, so he comes, he preaches this message of repentance, he, he sits down on a hillside, and his disciples come to him, the people that step out of the crowd, out of this large mass of people following Jesus, and they come and they sit at the feet of Jesus to be taught, to be taught how to live a life that will bring glory to God. And Jesus begins this message with something that is known to us as the Beatitudes. Eight statements that are found in Matthew chapter five, verses 13 through 12. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Um, What we're not gonna do today is read the Beatitudes. I'm gonna leave that up to you. 
to go home and to read Matthew chapter five, verses three through 12. What I wanna do for you today, because um, given time constraints, we, we wouldn't be able to get into the depths of each of these beatitudes. We could do an entire series. In fact, a lot of times, um, pastors and churches, they'll take a section, and we've done this in the past, where we actually explore for multiple weeks all of the Beatitudes because there is so much in these eight statements that Jesus makes that it, it's crucial for us to look at them, to read through them, to understand them. But what I want to do for you today is I want to challenge you to um, do that on your own. And what I'm gonna to do today is give you an overview of how to approach these Beatitudes because there has to be a shift in our thinking as we read the Beatitudes. Because I don't know about you, how many of you are familiar with the Beatitudes? And it's okay if you're not. All right, to some extent, the majority of the room has either read through these, heard about these, has a vague understanding or maybe an in-depth understanding of them. Uh, oftentimes, I remember early on in my journey as a follower of Christ, I would read these Beatitudes and it would almost seem like, Man, this is so unattainable. <laughs> like, what is this? This obviously has to be for something on the other side of eternity. But the reality is Jesus was speaking to the current people he was preaching to and to us that this is how we are to live now. Not in the future, not when we pass on into to the afterlife, not after he returns and God establishes his kingdom. These are things in which we should strive to live in now. And so it's important for us as we approach the Beatitudes to have the right perspective as we read them. And so that's my goal today is just to give you the right perspective as you dive into the Beatitudes. And let me tell you, we are all without excuse to not dive into the Beatitudes because probably, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in, in, in scripture tons of resources about all different things in scripture. There are an enormous amount of resources solely about these eight statements of Jesus, the Beatitudes. So go to rightnowmedia.com, go to the Bible app, just type in the Beatitudes and you are gonna find something. In fact, I would encourage you uh, to, to follow us on our social media, our Instagram or, or Facebook or whatever, because we're gonna post some of these resources this week that you could pick up and really get into an in-depth study on the Beatitudes because they are very important for your life as a follower of Christ. But we're gonna do an overview today and hopefully set you up for success as you explore these Beatitudes this week. But let's pray as we jump into it. God, I just thank you so much uh, for this church and I thank you for your presence in this church. I thank you for these people, God, who've made a decision today to be in your presence, who've decided to show up to this place today to worship and to hear from your word. And so, God, what we ask today is that you speak to us. God, that you empty me of any words that I have, but only your words go forth and you speak to our hearts and our minds uh, this morning, God. We love you, we praise you, we give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a term that gets tossed around a lot uh, in our world and in, in our culture um, that gets used pretty flippantly. Uh, you know, you, you hear anyone from... Um, Rappers to movie stars to, to grandmas and grandpas tossing this word around. Everyone, maybe all of us at some extent or some point have used this term. The term is blessed. Maybe you hashtagged it. I don't know if that's a popular hashtag anymore. I don't know. Hashtag blessed. 
I think like Bruno Mars says that in a song or something. I don't know. But we've all seen that scenario, right, where an athlete receives an award or an entertainer of some sort receives an award or they sign like a $300 million contract. And what do we always say? Ah, I'm blessed. Maybe you've said it. Maybe you've used that annoying church term, blessed and highly favored. Like if you're a Christian, just like don't say that anymore. Just don't. Like when people say, how are you? Be a normal human and say, I'm, I'm doing all right. Not blessed and highly favored. Those types of things make us look weird as Christians. We're not aliens. We don't have this biblical vocabulary that we need to toss around. So just stop doing that. This is my wisdom for you today. In fact, Proverbs tells us, don't use blessed and highly favored. It doesn't really say that, but... <laughs> but we are, we're, we're familiar with that term, right? Just from y'all's response, we're familiar with that terminology. I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. It's just used so flippantly, but the problem, I think, is that we actually don't know what it means to be blessed. In our world today, in our culture, even in our, our, our churches sometimes, we don't really understand what it actually means to be blessed. And it's important that we understand this because the eight Beatitudes all start with this. Jesus says, blessed are those who. And so what we want to do today is we want to answer two questions. And these are the questions that we have to have at the forefront of our mind. What does it really mean to be blessed? I would write these down. What does it really mean to be blessed? And who is it that God actually blesses? You can take a picture of it. I think they're on the screen. What does it really mean to be blessed? Who is it that God actually blesses? Because I believe that the predominant thought in our culture when it comes to blessing is always associated with something we can obtain, not someone who we should try to become. I'm blessed if I have blank. I'm blessed if I get to a certain status financially. I'm blessed if I have a certain level of income. I'm blessed if I have a certain type of relationship. And I understand that. And I'm not saying that material possessions or relationships or certain things that we value in life are not blessings from God. But in scripture, we've got to make sure that we look at what Jesus says about what it truly means to be blessed. And so we got to understand what it really means to be blessed and who it is that God blesses. Because remember, what is Jesus doing? From last week, Jesus is calling people out of the culture, out of the crowd, and he is challenging them to change the way they think. So we've got to change the way we think about what it means to be blessed. We can't take a cultural perspective on it. We can't take a, a personal perspective on it. We've got to look at what Jesus says and align our lives because that is what being a Christian is about. And last week, you know, 
her team posted some clips and I was like, man, I sounded really mean last week. <laughs> I was like pretty abrasive. So today I'll try not to be as abrasive, but I do feel a conviction as a pastor, and I, I believe we should feel this conviction as Christians in this day and age, to get back to a place where we really get back to what the word of God says about things. It doesn't mean that we're mean. It doesn't mean that we're mean-spirited toward people. It doesn't mean that we're, we have to be crazy controversial or we have to like rub people the wrong way or isolate ourselves. That's, that's not what God has called us to do. We intermix with culture and people but again, we're called to be noticeably different. And so we have to reestablish as Christians what it means to be a Christian. It is to model our lives after Jesus. Not culture, not what we feel, not what we think, but on who Jesus is and what he has said. That is Christianity. And so if, 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 if that's not what you want, then go be something else. Like, that's what I would encourage people to do. If that is not what you want, please stop using the term Christian to identify with. Go identify with something else. There's plenty of options out there that will cater to your feelings, cater to the way that you want to operate. You can blend in with culture, but we are called out of all of that as Christians to live as Jesus. And so let's explore some of this and really find out what it means to be blessed and who it is that God blesses. And so here's a little bit of a, uh, an educational side of this for you. The word that Jesus uses for blessed is the word uh, markarios. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but as close as I can, markarios. That's the word that Jesus uses. And in Jesus' day and age, this, this word described, it described a type of life um, that that. People only thought the gods, so remember, like, you remember studying like Greek mythology and all of that kind of stuff, right? Anybody? Right? School? I don't know if they teach that anymore, or I don't know. But we all kind of have, or we've seen a movie, right, about Vikings or about some ancient civilization, right? And there, there's all these different gods that people worship. So back in Jesus' day, there was this plethora of gods, all different types of gods, moon gods, sun gods, water gods, rain gods, earth gods, mother gods, father gods, kid gods, tree gods, bird gods, dinosaur gods. Like there was a God for just about everything, right? And so, so there was this idea that the gods experienced something that humans could not experience. Everything in a God's world was Perfect, And there were no um, situations and circumstances in the earthly affairs of things that could affect the gods. And so this word that Jesus uses for blessed was a word that people only thought the gods could actually experience or people that crossed over from, from life to death. They had passed on. And they had entered into the realm of gods. They had entered into some type of eternity And then they could experience this bliss, if you will, this unaltered state that wasn't swayed by situations and, and, and circumstances where bad things didn't happen and they didn't affect the joy that you experienced. In fact, let's, I can just give you the definition here. Markarios is really this, a self-contained joy 
that is completely independent of all chance or changes in life. Take a picture of it, write it down. Leave it up there for a minute. This word blessed that Jesus used, this is what it means. A self-contained joy that is completely independent of all chance or changes in life. And so Jesus' words must have been a little shocking to his audience. Wait, wait, wait. Jesus, you, you're using this word blessed. You're saying that we, there are people that can actually experience an untainted joy? A life of bliss that no matter what happens, no matter what situations or circumstances change, no matter what alters in our world, we can still experience a joy? That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying a blessed life is possible for you, a life of joy, a state of life that no matter what happens, no matter what circumstances change, no matter what hardships come, you can experience an unshakable joy. That's what this word blessed means. So Jesus makes it clear just by this word alone that to be blessed isn't about money or material possessions, but about an inner joy that can't be shaken. That's what it means to be blessed. It's a, it's a joy you know, I was thinking about this, and, and because our culture and our society so associates blessings with things, uh, I just wrote this down. This, this blessed life that Jesus is talking about, it's, it's, um, it's a joy in life that money can never buy, that power can never provide, and achievement can never bring. It's the joy in life that only comes from the very hand of God. So it's not something that you can go out and purchase. There's things that we can go out and purchase that will make us feel good, but they won't bring us joy, unshakable joy. Anybody like shoes? I like shoes. I would be really happy to go out. Do people still go to the mall? <laughs> I've been to a mall a long time. Go to the mall and buy some shoes or whatever, right? Like that makes me happy. But those shoes that I went and purchased, though they may bring me some happiness, are not going to sustain me with joy if something happens to my family. Joy can't be purchased. I could obtain all sorts of power, but power can't provide. As much as I could control my destiny, as much as I could control my finances, as much as I could even control people, whatever power I have does not have the power to give me joy. It can't be purchased. Power can't provide it. I could climb the ladder. I could achieve everything that I set my heart out to achieve. Look at the life of Solomon. No one has ever achieved what Solomon has achieved, and you know what he says at the end of his life, it's not even worth it. It is a chasing after the wind. I found no joy in it. Yeah, there were some, some exciting moments, and yeah, there were some great memories, and yeah, there were some things that made me feel good, but he goes on to say, don't forget your creator in the days of your youth. 
So listen, this, this joy literally cannot be provided by anything other than the very hand of God. It is God who gives us this joy, this unshakable joy, and that is what it means to be blessed, to know in the depths of your soul that no matter what happens in this life, you have a joy that has been provided by God. There's a security in that. And so Jesus uses this term and it, it, it kind of shakes people. You can experience something that is unshakable. But who is it that experiences this blessed life, this type of joy? Well, Jesus makes it very clear that it's the people who have an attitude that aligns with God's. An attitude that aligns with God's. What does attitude mean? Because we... we you know, I don't know about you, but when I hear the word attitude, I just think of like attitude. Man, she got an attitude. A little kid, man, what an attitude, right? Is that what registers to you guys when you think about it? But here's the definition of attitude. I thought this was really interesting when I looked it up. A settled way of thinking about someone or something, typically one that is reflected in a person's behavior. What is Jesus calling us to do? to think differently. What is he saying is blessed? Who is blessed? Those that have a settled way of thinking, an attitude, a settled way of thinking about the way God operates. An attitude, a way of thinking that aligns with God. So blessing is an unshakable joy. Who receives blessings? Those that have an attitude that align with God's attitude. And when you think and you look at these eight Beatitudes, this is what you find Jesus laying out. It is a description of the type of attitude that God blesses. And so when you read these, you gotta think, okay, bless. What is Jesus offering as a blessing? He's offering this unshakable joy. Who is it that he blesses? It's people that have these attitudes. I said we weren't gonna read them, but, but I'm, gonna, I'm gonna breeze through them real quick. Joy is given, unshakable joy. If you were to read through these, the first one, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that really mean? Oh, this is, this is what it would really translate to if we were breaking it down into its depths. Oh, the joy of those who recognize their need for God. It's not talking about a, 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 a being poor. But God doesn't scour the earth saying like, oh man, they're rich and they're poor. So, oh, they got, they got wealth. They did good for themselves. Man, they're not blessed. This person's blessed because they're poor. That's, that's not what scripture, people have distorted that. It means, oh, the joy, oh, the bliss of those who recognize they need God. Because when you know you need God, you're not dependent on anything else. The next one says, blessed are those who mourn. Oh, the joy of those who recognize and mourn that they know they're not worthy of what God gives. It's not just mourning for the sake of mourning. It's mourning over the fact that there's things in our lives that separate us from God and we mourn over this things. God, this attitude, this behavior, this lifestyle, this way of thinking, it does not align with you. I mourn and I repent and I turn. And oh, the joy of those who turn and they mourn over their sin. 
They come back to God. That's who's blessed. Blessed are the meek. Oh, the joy of those. Oh, the bliss of those who have come to this place of controlled power. Being meek isn't weakness. Moses is described as meek. Jesus is described as meek. Those are not weak men. You know, the term actually means a, a, a horse, the stallion, this brilliant animal with all of this power under control, bridled and directed by God, tamed. I know I have strength. I know I have power. If God is for me, nothing can be against me, right? I know I have power, but do I exercise that power under control? Blessed are those, oh, the joy of those who have learned self-control. And I could go on and on, but this is why I would encourage you to dive into the depths of these. And I'll tell you, I promise, as I was prepping this week, I was talking to our team. I'm like, I'm having the hardest time not diving into every single one of these because they're so good for your life. But if y'all want to stay here for another hour and a half, we can do it. <laughs> just cancel worship for the next service. The other people can come and join us and we'll just catch them up. Some people are nervous that I'm actually going to do that. <laughs> not. Go pick up a resource and dive into these yourself. All right. Uh, last one. We'll just hit this last one. Oh, the joy of those, listen to this. Oh, the joy of those. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Oh, the joy of those who hunger and thirst, who have like the pains of like, ah, I just want what is good and holy and righteous. That's what I want to chase after. Oh, the joy and bliss of those who go after those things. Listen, the Beatitudes should not be read with this somber mindset. They should be read with just excitement. That man, if I could turn from this cultural way of thinking, get aligned with God's attitude, the way that God thinks, oh, the joy that I will experience, I will then be blessed. That's what Jesus is saying. And goes on, and there's four more that you could read through. But it's important as we approach these, uh, and I'll give you two tidbits of this. If you wanted to break the Beatitudes into two sections, um, the first four are our attitude toward God, and the second four are our attitude toward people. So as you're reading them, you can break them into two sections and say, these are the attitudes that Jesus is saying are blessed when this attitude is toward God. And there is an attitude that God expects us to have in order to be blessed toward other people. Are we merciful? We can go through the, the, the other ones, read through them. But it's important also for us to understand when we read these that Jesus is not giving us a to-do list. I think it's really easy sometimes when we read through scripture to say, okay, there's, there's eight beatitudes, four directed to God, four directed to people. Let me write these beatitudes down and let me try to just check all the boxes. Right, we do that with our Christianity, right? I showed up to church. I was nice to my parents. I didn't cheat on my test at school. I read my Bible. I worshiped. You know, and we, and we check these boxes, and I do think that there, there is a discipline that helps us grow in our Christianity, but we cannot approach the things of God as a checklist. 
What we've got to do is we've got to allow them to cultivate deep within us and they become a part of our heart. They become a part of who we are. What Jesus is doing is not saying, he's not saying, listen, if you do these things, check them off, boom, then you'll be blessed. What Jesus is doing is he's laying a foundation for what the attitude of our heart should be like. Because the measure of a person to God is always found in the attitude of their heart. How God measures us, and this is, this is so important for us to understand, God does not say, hey son, hey daughter, um, how many things did you get done today? God's not so much concerned about what we're doing for him as much as he's concerned about our heart toward him. You know, Jesus even says in this story he gives in the Gospels, he says there were two people that came to God in the temple. One was a Pharisee, he was a religious guy, checked all the boxes. From the outward appearance, you would think, man, that guy's got it together. He's religious, he shows up three times a week, he prays three times a day, he fasts, he washes his hands the proper way according to the law. He follows all of this, he's perfect. Look at him and he approaches God. And you know what the Pharisee says to God? God, thank you that I am not like that sinner because there was another man there who at the altar was beating his chest saying, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm unworthy of what you have to offer. And Jesus says, who do you think walked away justified? The person whose heart was right with God. So what Jesus isn't doing is he's not saying, hey, here's a checklist, Christian, for you to mark off and then you'll be blessed. He's saying, think in depth about what I am talking about and allow God to cultivate something deep in your heart so that your attitude about life, your attitude about God, your attitude about people aligns with his. You know, when Samuel in the Old Testament was picking a king to replace Saul, David, Samuel had this perspective as he went to, to Jess, David's father, and there were all these brothers, and he was like, oh man, surely it's that guy, surely it's that guy, look at how good looking he is, look at how tall he is, look at how athletic he is, look at what he's got going on, look at how skilled he is. And you know what God tells Samuel? He says, Samuel, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse seven, he says, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God's after our heart. And in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, I'm gonna call the band up as we get ready to close here in just a moment. 2 Chronicles 16, 9, I love this verse. It says, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth, scour the earth, looking all over the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. The translation of strengthen doesn't totally coordinate, coordinate with, with bless, but there, there's a connection there. That what God is doing is he is looking throughout the earth and he's saying, who can I come alongside with? I wanna find people whose hearts have the same attitude as mine, who are aligned with me, who are fully committed to me, and I wanna come alongside them and strengthen them. I wanna come alongside them and bless them. I wanna come alongside them and show them my glory. 
And so I got some homework for you. I got four things that I want to give you to do this week. First, begin to study these statements of Jesus. You know, I felt, I felt like I, <laughs> this is always the, the struggle as a preacher. You just want to give as much as you can. Like, oh, I, I do. I hope you guys know my heart is to equip you to be who God has called you to be. Like I, I desperately, deeply, everyone that preaches from this stage, from our guests to our staff, what we desire is for you to grow in Christ. It's the vision of our church. We want to love you. We want to serve you. And we want to lead you to a fulfilling life in Jesus. But you know, sometimes I'm, I'm just recognizing with my son, I do a lot for him. It, it may be too much sometimes to where if I'm constantly doing everything for him, he's not learning to do for himself. And it's such a joy when he does something on his own. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a small win, but this morning, he literally ate an entire donut without wiping his hands on his own shirt. It was fabulous. Like, this is incredible. What a victory. There was joy in it for me. For you as our church. Man, I, I, I want you to fall in love with God's word. I want you during the course of your week, and I know you're busy and you're not a pastor and you don't have time because all pastors do is sit in the office and pray and read their Bible all day. It's all we do. <laughs> but I want you to fall in love with God's word. I want you to fall in love with growth. And man, I'm telling you, if we can become a church that falls in love with God's word and falls in love with his presence, and we leave this place, like I challenged us last week, to be noticeably different in this culture by the way we love and we serve people. I mean, you know the impact that will make? You know how blessed our lives will be, regardless of situations and circumstances, regardless if, if the job doesn't go through or the finances never get to the place that you dream that they would get to. I believe there's a lot in scripture about how God will bless people, but if we could get back to the basis of just saying, what does Jesus say for my life? Will I do the hard yards of looking at them and studying them and saying, okay, maybe I can't take all eight this week, but I can take one and I can begin to look at it and study it and write it down and have it on my mind when I'm operating with my kids or my family or in the workplace or whatever. So this is my challenge. Begin to study these statements of Jesus, even if it's just one of them. And the second thing, is run the attitude of your heart through the filter of the Beatitudes. Sit and spend some time with God and say, God, examine my heart. You know, one of the hardest things that you can pray is, Lord, search me. In the stillness, in the quiet of a room, Lord, search me. Because you know what will happen? There will be some things that God starts to bring to the surface. And you can run it through the filter of scripture and you can run it through the filter of these beatitudes and be like, oh man, God, I'm missing it in this area of my life. Would you help me change the way I think so that my attitude can align with yours? So begin to study these statements, run the, your heart through the filter of the beatitudes and, and do this, do this. 
I know four application points seems like a lot, but these are very simple. Just ask the Holy Spirit to align your attitude, the attitude of your heart with God's heart. Have you ever prayed that prayer? We're going to pray it at the end of this service. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Holy Spirit, would you just take my heart and would you align it with God's heart? Would you take my heart and would you break my heart for the things that break God's? Would you stir my heart with passion for the things that stir God's heart? Would you align my heart with God's heart for people? Would you align my heart with God's heart for my spouse? Would you align my heart with your heart for my kids? Would you align my heart with yours, God? Holy Spirit, align my heart with God's heart. And then, if you'll do those first three, here's what I want you to do. I want you to give yourself permission to receive the blessings that God wants to give you. Did you know God wants good for you? He wants good for your life. He is a good God. He's a gracious God. He is a loving God and he wants good for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Listen, wherever you find yourself this morning, wherever you find yourself on this journey of life, this journey of following Jesus, Listen, if you want me to pray with you this morning, I do want to pray that prayer that the Holy Spirit would align your heart with God's. If you want to pray that prayer with me, would you just lift your hand so I know who I'm praying with? Everyone's heart in this room is in a different place. Everyone's heart in this room is going to be aligned in a different category or off in some different way with God, but our prayer this morning, Holy Spirit, in this place is this. Would you align our hearts with God's? Whatever it is, whatever you need to bring to the surface, whatever you need to change and transform, whatever you need to shift, God, whatever you need to break, whatever you need to fix, whatever you need to let us, help us to let go of or to receive, God, you know right now the hands that have gone up in this room. You know the hearts because you created them. Your word tells us that you know us intimately. And so God, our prayer is that your Holy Spirit would take our hearts and would mold them and shape them so that they would align with yours and so that our lives as your followers would bring you glory. And we anticipate your blessings from it. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Trademark Church Podcast. If this message inspired you today, feel free to share with friends, leave a rating, and subscribe so you don't miss any of our weekly messages. This podcast and everything that we do at Trademark Church is only possible because of the generosity of those that call Trademark Church home. If you would like to give to the work that God is doing through Trademark, please visit trademark.church. Thanks again for checking out the podcast, and we'll see you soon.